Travel, Truth and Lies Unmasked. Written by Martin Lindstrom. Read by Alan Medcroft. Chapter 5. The Serious Police Officer's Dirty Little Secret. Are you like me when passing through customs? No matter how much I pretend, I can't help being assailed by a wave of undeserved guilt. Those uniformed customs officers, armed with those amazing laser eyes, are so intimidating. They have the ability to make even the most innocent people feel remorseful. Should I give those two officers a courteous, super-relaxed smile as I continue straight for the exit? Or should I simply ignore those two statuettes in the shadows, pretend I don't know they're watching me, try my best to give off a vibe that says I'm too busy to care, and just pass them by, heading for the outside world? What's ironic is that I haven't done anything illegal, with the possible exception of borrowing that mini shampoo bottle from my last hotel room, Actually, even thinking about that shampoo bottle makes me feel guilty. This reaction has a name. It's widely known as the Milgram experiment. In his famous study, Yale University psychologist Stanley Milgram demonstrated that authorities not only intimidate us, they also have the ability to blindly seduce us to act, often against our own will, common sense or morals. If there's a place where the Milgram experiment can be observed at full sway in our day-to-day lives, it would have to be the airport. Among the touch points you encounter while travelling, airports present one of the highest levels of risk for contracting COVID-19. The Milgram experiment explains why we are barely aware of this risk. On any given day, more than 235,000 passengers pass through each of the 10 largest international airports. That's more than 18 football stadiums packed with people. You'd have a difficult time finding such a melting pot packed with people from all walks of life anywhere else. Some are deeply nervous about missing their flight. Others are anxious about their upcoming plane ride. Kids are super excited to fly for the first time. That 80-year-old lady is superstitious that this will be her last airplane ride. The newlywed couple is anticipating their honeymoon. The business person dreads one more flight to Milwaukee and back the same day. All while the staff at the gate prepares today's excuse for another delay. Bad weather, mechanical issues, or any of the other tick-the-boxes. With passengers of every imaginable religion, race, culture and demographic you can possibly think of. And you've got a mini United Nations with all the languages, the perspectives, the desires, the fears, the hopes and the dreams just without the long-winded speeches. All this, of course, occurs beneath a filter of public address system announcements and, in the background, a less-than-successful instrumental cover of Love Me Tender. Without our awareness, airports play subtle games with our minds, giving us the unmistakable sense that we're in a life-and-death situation. Think of the frantic family rushing to their gates, just to end up with an hour-long wait before the official boarding announcement. Or the passenger throwing a tantrum because he can't be seated next to his friend on a 45-minute flight to Hickory. We wouldn't behave like this on a bus or a train, though in airports we do. But under the surface, there's something fascinating going on, something you can't necessarily spot with your bare eyes. You've just made it through the security screening without suffering any actual harm. 
when it was your turn to remove your shoes and put them in the tray, you may have thought to yourself, I don't want to. But then the security officer said, please place your shoes in the tray. And you instantly decided, well, okay, if that uniformed person says to do it, then it must be all right. You may have had a brief struggle with that tray, ending with three pairs of shoes belonging to fellow passengers flying into the air while your previously white socks picked up a nasty grey tint, and who knows what else from the carpet, over which hundreds of shoeless people have shuffled since last time it was steam cleaned. Hundreds of pairs of shoes, after walking on sidewalks, across airport carpets and through airport bathrooms, have been in that tray before your shoes came to take their brief ride through the x-ray machine. Now you reach into the tray, retrieve your shoes, pull them on and retie them. If you really stopped to think about it, you might feel a bit uneasy about the whole process. But the uniformed security screener said to do it, so it must be all right. And after all, you're equipped with Purell to sanitise your hands. All good, you're thinking, as you head for the gate. Realising that you've arrived way too early, you decide to camp at a nearby sushi joint in the very centre of it all. A friendly, well-dressed, nicely coiffed hostess smiles and hands you a menu card. And you start by ordering a club soda with ice and a lime wedge. You're well prepared in this time of the coronavirus, with your little bottle of hand sanitizer in your pocket in case something unexpected, something threatening, happens. As you flick through the plastic pages of the menu card, unaware of how densely packed it is with microbes, you fall in love with the photograph of the California roll. It's easy, light, and... And what the heck, this place looks pretty safe, so why not? The counter seems freshly wiped and so do the tables. And, from what you can see, the nicely dressed businesswoman next to you with her handbag on the counter seems safe. Within minutes, the waiter brings your sushi and your filled-to-the-rim glass of club soda. Just as you'd instructed, your glass is packed with ice cubes and garnished with a fresh lime. Isn't life beautiful, you're thinking. You take a deep breath of unfiltered air while keeping a sharp eye on the arrival and departure screens in the distance. This COVID-19 thing isn't too bad, you decide. At least, not here in this pleasant sushi bar. But what hasn't occurred to you was that air quality on planes is far superior to that in airports. Your airliner uses industry-standard HEPA filters. But on the ground, the story is very different. Every privately held operator, independent of regulation by the government, is free to decide if filtering is necessary at all. No real regulations exist. And since airports don't sell a lot of air, except perhaps for the fragrance version in Duty Free, until recently, airports haven't had a lot of incentive to control the air quality of their millions of cubic feet of space. And as if what we breathe isn't enough, Remember that menu you just flicked through? According to a recent study, a restaurant menu can contain 185,000 germs per square centimetre. For reference, a public toilet has about 500 to 1,000 germs per square centimetre. And don't forget the ice cubes, which have been shown to contain up to 31 species of eight different bacteria. Oh, and the lime wedge too. Studies have shown that that wedge of citrus is highly contaminated as well, according to the Journal of Environmental Health. 
Among the 25 different microorganisms it may carry is E. coli, a bacterium commonly found in the lower intestine of warm-blooded creatures. But hey, hang on, you're thinking. This is a respected, respectable place. You've forgotten that you're engaged in a real-life version of the Milgram experiment. The constant presence of security personnel, the police officers walking up and down the halls, the signs announcing the names of highly regarded restaurant chains. All of this camouflages risk, danger and threat behind a scrim of authority-driven safety. Just as Milgram's authority figure easily convinced the experiment's subjects to violate their usual ethics and cause pain to a stranger, likewise, we blindly accept the airport authority figure's assurance of safety. Whereas catered food on most airlines passes through one of the most rigorous food safety and control processes in the world, the reality is that food and beverage outlets in airports typically don't bother. Running their own show with an eye on the profit margin, these operations define their own control measures and set their own cleanliness standards. You aren't likely to return to that airport sushi bar for quite some time, if ever, so that default web of safety precautions you experience at your local neighbourhood restaurant, depending on its reputation among regular patrons, is simply missing in the airport. Airport food outlets' attention to food and beverage safety is, at very best, questionable. So, now you've finished your meal and carefully cleaned your fingers from your smaller-than-10-ounce bottle of sanitizer. Before heading to the gate, it's time to pay a quick visit to the bathroom. You don't know if you can trust the cleanliness of those airplane lavatories, though better to be safe than sorry. As you enter the sushi bar bathroom, you notice two businessmen at the urinals, each of them engaged in a heated phone call. So you decide to pick a stool. As you start into the usual paper-on-toilet-seat routine, you realise that the toilet paper holder is of the latest, greatest, most environmental design, only allowing you one sheet at a time. You know these public toilets can be less than clean, and a recent study suggests potentially infectious particles continue to be airborne for about a minute after each flush. So, to be cautious, you always devote extra time to washing your hands. However, the tap automatically switches off the water every five seconds. That's great for reducing water consumption, but it requires you to touch the same, no doubt contaminated, push button and start your hand-washing ritual all over again, more than once. There haven't been any bars of soap since the end of the last century, though you once read a study that reported soap bars are 100% self-rinsing and probably the safest way to wash your hands. Instead, the airport provides more economically efficient soap dispensers, with approximately one in four of those dispensers contaminated. After you wash your hands, you use the air blower to spray high-pressure air across your damp hands. If you happen to be wearing a pair of ultraviolet glasses, you'd notice this mini-tornado blasting fecal matter and bacteria up into your face while millions of microbes, including pathogens and spores, travel throughout the bathroom and into the restaurant. The passengers waiting for their turn at the air blower seem anxious and in a hurry, 
So, even though damp hands are substantially more likely to spread viruses, you abandon the air blower with your hands only half dry. Then, being extra careful, you wrap the doorknob with the tail of your shirt, open the door, and head for your gate. Smart move, as the International Journal of Current Microbiology and Applied Sciences reports that 93.8% of all doorknobs are contaminated. Research shows that airports operate some of the most contagious bathrooms in the world. They are so contagious that 30% of travelling toilet users don't bother to wash their hands. Even worse, the microbes don't stay in the bathroom. Remember how the two businessmen were using their smartphones while doing their business at the urinals? Well, 88% of bathroom users have used their mobiles while in the bathroom. This explains why only 20% of people travelling through the 10 largest airports in the world have clean hands. Studies show that cell phones are some of the most contagious devices you will ever own, with more than 17,000 bacterial gene copies. According to Dr. Tajuri, a biomedical scientist at Bond University, cell phones are a Trojan horse contributing to the transmission of COVID-19. We tap, swipe and click on our phones 2,617 times per day. Is it worth mentioning that, despite all this horror-inducing data, more than 40% of all Americans occasionally hold their phones with their mouth when their hands are full, while one in four Americans never clean their phones? Samsung has some good news on the cell phone cleanliness front. Their UV steriliser, soon to be introduced around the world, is a box large enough to hold a phone, or a pair of sunglasses, earbuds, or other possibly contaminated items. While wirelessly recharging your phone, it bathes the phone, top, sides, and bottom, in powerful ultraviolet light that kills up to 99% of bacteria. But until the UV steriliser is available, regular cleansing of our phones would be an awfully good idea. Meanwhile, Let's not forget the briefcase, handbag and purse that sat on the bathroom floor and then, within minutes, were placed on the sushi bar counter. According to a study conducted for the ABC, 20% of the handbags in the experiment carried more bacteria than a toilet. Half of the bags in that study contained coliform bacteria, indicating the possible presence of human or animal waste. And if you think that at least the contents inside the bag must be safe, think again. A team from the University of Mauritius, sampling purses from 80 women and 65 men, discovered that 95.2% had bacterial contamination. An astounding 50.7% contained bodily organisms. Those viruses and bacteria typically affix themselves to the leather or synthetic of the purse which has been shown to represent an optimal breeding ground for bacteria, while we reach for our phones, keys and credit cards. Perhaps even worse, the same study found that the bacteria from your purse routinely decide to join you for a free ride accompanying you home. At least 17.5% camp out on your dining table, and 11.3% make your kitchen counter surfaces their permanent home. The same study pointed out that only 2.1% of people clean their purses as often as once a month. May I remind you, the kitchen is also home to the meat, fish and vegetables you're cooking.
All this is going on while we wander around the airport, pick up a Mars bar at the snack kiosk, rummage through the apples and bananas in the cafe for the freshest specimen, and flick through the latest glossy magazines, many featuring the latest greatest tips on how to stay safe in the pandemic. Being a cautious citizen, however, you pick up the second magazine from the top. You never know who might have handled the uppermost magazine. Though 70% of people thumbing through magazines decide not to purchase, and 45%, returning the magazine to the pile, place it second from the top. I don't really mean to scare you. Keep in mind that our immune system is built to resist a lot. In fact, the more bacteria and viruses we're exposed to as a child, the more resistant we'll be as an adult. A Swedish study from 2013 shows that children whose parents just sucked their pacifiers clean have a lower risk of developing eczema. A 2016 study published in the New England Journal of Medicine compared the immune profiles of Amish children, grown up on small, single-family farms, and Hutterite children, who are genetically similar but grow up on large, industrialised farms. The Amish, growing up in an environment described as rich in microbes and farmyard dust, had strikingly lower rates of asthma. What you've just read isn't new. It's been going on, in one form or another, for decades, centuries and millennia. However, back then, we weren't 7.5 billion people on planet Earth, didn't travel as much as we do today, and didn't have COVID-19. These new pandemics have introduced a new set of rules, which may indeed be enough to protect us. But protection requires us to change our behaviour and, like the Japanese, adopt new, more hygienic routines in our daily lives. What's especially thought-provoking is that it doesn't take a lot of effort. According to MIT researchers, focusing on hand-washing messaging in those 10 airports alone could potentially slow the spread of disease by as much as 37%. But as we've learned, it is when we let our guard down, when we least expect it, that we're most vulnerable. Which brings me back to the beginning of this chapter. The riskiest location for a traveller isn't the plane where you'll sit for hours in close proximity to dozens of strangers. Rather, it's the airport where you depart and arrive. You've just landed in JFK. What a relief. You survived your nine-hour flight. Wearing your face mask made you feel like your head was stuck in a sauna for all those hours. Now you're finally on the ground, waiting in an hour-long line with another 983 passengers. Security staff are yelling, guiding all of you down a one-way street leading onto a never-ending hamster wheel. Thin ribbons have created a maze, with one slowly moving line passing another slowly moving line, over and over again. So you find yourself mingling with strangers and passing the same coughing and sneezing people time after time. There's no point in wondering why you chose this particular line rather than the other faster moving line. A loving couple with three kids camps out at the head of your line, sharing their life stories with the officer. You wonder why they find it necessary to relate the story about their old Auntie Christie and how much she hated flying. Finally, it's your turn. You slide over your passport, preparing for the officer's predictable question. What is your purpose in the United States? 
And then, out of the blue, the Milgram experiment kicks in. You may have been through this routine a thousand times, but this authority figure can tell you to do just about anything. And you would. Remember how I felt when passing by customs control? Well, that feeling has come rushing back. Whatever the officer says, he's right. Yes, sir. Just keep repeating it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He fiddles around with his papers, types some random-seeming words on his screen, looks you in the eye, stamps your passport, and says, Welcome to the United States of America. You're free to go. He didn't take advantage of his authority by ordering you to commit any shameful or immoral acts, for which you feel like thanking him. You survived it all, including COVID-19. But wait, you missed something. It's a bit like the guy I saw driving his motorbike the other day. One hand was on his handlebar, and he was holding his helmet under his other arm. That helmet, I realised, carries with it an amazing halo effect of safety. Somehow, its mere presence was going to magically protect him from danger. Well, that same safety halo is what you've just experienced while standing there sweating in front of the customs officer. In the last chapter, we talked about the reality that what we perceive as most contagious probably isn't, and what we perceive as the safest is probably the riskiest of all. While I stood there preparing my answers to all the familiar questions, while I desperately pressed my fingertips on the scanner, while I waited for the officer to flick through my passport with his plastic gloves, stamp it and return it, well, that may be the most contagious spot in the entire airport. According to the experts at ProTech, border control hosts more germs than just about any other location. I wish this was the end of your journey, but unfortunately, it isn't. Waiting for you is the train, the monorail, the taxi, the Uber, or the rental car. Under normal circumstances, these spots probably would have been safe. For sure, they're safe if you take smart precautions when you're out and about. But there's a difference between today and those pre-COVID-19 days. If you imagine you're finally safe, far from border control and those public toilets, think again. The steering wheel on your rental car is populated with four times the germs of a public toilet seat. In fact, in terms of exposure to coronavirus, your rental ranks right up there with all the time you spent mingling with your fellow passengers in the queue to border control. And now, you're about to step into a danger zone you probably haven't worried about your hotel. Travel, Truth and Lies Unmasked has been brought to you by Intertech ProTech, world leaders in health, safety and well-being assurance. Discover more at protech.com.